0: Hello, and welcome to Episode 3 of the Cabe & Hope Employee Comms Podcast, where we will be sharing insights, inspiration and indispensable information on the very topical subject matter of financial well-being. I'm Chris Andrew, and I'm the Strategy Director at Cabe & Hope, and I'm absolutely delighted to be here. I hope you enjoy the show. Please do share your feedback and subscribe. Today we're talking about the importance of financial well-being in the workplace and how to ensure it receives proper attention, usage and buy-in from all employees in the context of communication and engagement. What are the next big challenges in the future of financial well-being communication and what should organizations be focusing on as we move into 2022? I'm very excited to be discussing these issues with a very special guest from eBay, Eileen Ung. Eileen is the original reward manager for the APAC region at eBay. Eileen, a very warm welcome to the Cabin Hope Employee Comms Podcast.
1: Thanks so much, Chris. It's a pleasure to join you guys
0: today. Let's kick off. I'd like to cover four key areas around financial well-being and how to ensure that it lands effectively within people's organisation. And it would be great to start with talking about more generally the importance of financial well-being in the workplace. Now, in the UK, there's been some research recently by the Money and Mental Health Policy Institute and that found over two-thirds of employees who are struggling financially report at least one sign of poor mental health that could affect their ability to function at work. These signs could include loss of sleep, poor concentration, reduced motivation, and more time away from work. And this isn't just a regional trend, it's happening everywhere, as I'm sure it is in the APAC region as well. I know that a US study recently showed that financial stress can cost companies $500 billion each year. So financial wellbeing is clearly an issue that needs to be taken seriously. I suppose a key question for me and what I'd be really keen to get your thoughts on is to what extent do you think organisations should be responsible for providing support in this area? Now, I know that eBay places great importance on this, on wellbeing in general, and I know that you've been doing some work recently in this area. So how did you recognise the importance of, of providing support to colleagues in this area and, and what are you doing as an organization right now?
1: Yep, no problem. Happy to share the project that we embarked on earlier this year. So I think, you know, exactly like what you said, financial well being has actually come up as a really important topic. I think especially in the past year and year and a half, with the whole COVID pandemic hitting lots of countries really hard economically. So financial well being has definitely come up top you know, one of the key areas of focus. And for eBay specifically, we had a discussion early last year to talk about what sort of gaps we saw in our financial well-being offering. And I think one of the key gaps that we identified was that employees in general, they don't have a very clear understanding of financial well-being. So for example, They may not be aware of how to fully utilise their retirement plans, how much they need to save for retirement, what steps they can take now in the short term to be able to save for the longer term. So we actually identified education and awareness as one of the key things that we wanted to focus on. And we had not done anything like that in eBay before. So that's why we worked with an external consultant to actually develop a financial well-being series of education sessions for our employees in the APEC region. And really the key objective that we wanted to cover was to ensure that our employees gain a keen sense of awareness of financial well-being, what it is. And also, you know, helping them understand how being financially well can actually impact other areas of their work. So, for example, leading to increased productivity, overall better mental and emotional health as well.
0: Fantastic. Thank you very much. It sounds like a really exciting program. I'm pleased to see that there were some clear objectives. I think at the moment with so many organizations, I know that financial well-being, there's a risk of it being a bit of a buzzword, ensuring that you really understand what colleagues need. And what are they missing so that you've got that opportunity to be able to provide them with a service and a platform and with that support that they really need, particularly when it comes to talking about finances internally. I know that there can be a certain amount of stigma attached to talking about it and people not necessarily feeling particularly comfortable. Did you experience any challenges encouraging employees to buy into the program? How did you manage that?
1: Definitely, I think, you know, ensuring buy-in from employees was one of the biggest things that we needed to ensure was in place, you know, of course, to ensure a successful launch of the program. So how we did that was actually, of course, hold small focus group discussions with a couple of our local people teams, really to find out from them what they have been hearing from employees on the ground with regards to our financial well-being initiatives, some of the small pockets of information that we could get, what are some of the interesting topics that employees want to know more about. And of course, at the same time, we ensured that while working with our consultant, we made use of the market data that they had, So from surveys that they had, for example, indicating what topics of interest employees have in the APEC region specifically. That's the first step by ensuring that the topics that we had identified were relevant to the employees. And of course, the second step was to make sure that the leadership was on board with our plans. So we really wanted to make sure that it was the leadership took whole control of the project as well. And they were advocates for the project. So in a way, they were able to cascade this with their leadership teams and then those respective leadership teams would then speak to managers and managers to their subordinates, for example. So that's how we kind of work through buy-in from the top and then slowly cascading it down to the employee level to really ensure that employees are fully aware of what's going on, the benefit that they would get from attending these sessions. And also, of course, driving engagement throughout the couple of months that these sessions were being run.
0: That's fantastic. And it sounds like from an engagement perspective, you've been doing things in exactly the way that we would hope, which obviously is is not just going out with a program based on what you think people need, but actually listening to people, looking at the data, identifying the areas that you really need to focus on and then creating something bespoke and relevant for your people. Is there anything that you can share in terms of the results and the impact that it's had within the business?
1: Yep, definitely. So in terms of the results, besides participation, of course, you know, we were hoping to get maximum participation. Apart from that, we also wanted to ensure that whoever had participated in the sessions, they actually had taken away key learnings from the education sessions. So what we did was actually host a series of what we would call virtual dialogue sessions at the end of the financial well-being series. And during these virtual dialogue sessions, we actually posed, you know, a series of questions to employees who had participated in a very conversational format. Everything was done online. And via these questions, we actually tried to find out what they found interesting about the sessions, whether they had practiced any of the key tips that they picked up from the sessions that they attended and you know, what they were planning to do moving forward using the knowledge that they had gained from the sessions. Generally, I would say that the response was quite positive in the sense that you know we saw about at least a third of the employees who had attended the sessions. They actually mentioned that they had gone to look at their retirement savings, for example, after the education session. So it was actually a prompt for them to actually go and have a look at whether they were saving enough for retirement and if not, to actually take some So probably speak to their own financial advisor, for example, and see what other measures they can take in the short term to build their retirement savings for the long term. So that was one. The other thing that we are planning to do also much closer to the year end, because it would have been about six months since the conclusion of the project, is to drop in an informal check-in with the employees who have attended the sessions. And find out from them, are there any key tips that you learned during the education sessions that you are actually practicing now? And find out from them what those key tips are. So we actually really just want to make sure that the key tips that were being presented during the sessions are practical and applicable. For employees on a day-to-day basis, so not just theoretical knowledge or like content that they can gather from the internet, for example, but really practical tips that they can take away and apply in their everyday lives.
0: I just wanted to pick up quickly on something else that you mentioned in terms of helping to get buy-in, which was about using your leadership team and getting them to help to encourage buy-in. And I think it sounds very interesting because I know that with lots of organisations, I think sometimes when things are seen as a HR initiative, it can be difficult to get that kind of buy-in, but. Leaders being open and honest, perhaps about their own challenges or lack of understanding in certain areas can only help to, I suppose, open up the conversation about these things that perhaps have been typically the kinds of things that we don't necessarily talk about so much.
1: Yeah, so in terms of getting leadership buy-in, I think that was one of the most crucial parts of the project. Putting aside the fact that the business was going to be investing financially in getting this project kicked off, we also you know, wanted to make sure that there was alignment from the leadership. So it came across very clearly to employees that financial well-being is an area of focus for eBay and that we want to invest in their financial well-being. How we actually engaged in conversation with the leadership and how it was then played back to employees was that we are trying to be proactive in terms of our financial well being initiatives. So, not just a reactionary, so when there's a problem and then we react to it with certain benefits that we have, but more of ensuring that we are showing that we are being proactive. So, that's one of the key things that we discussed with leadership. The other thing that we talked about was actually incorporating our current benefits as part of this whole financial well being initiative. So of course the education sessions were the project that we were trying to launch but at the same time we wanted to use the opportunity to make sure that we also marketed some of the other benefits that employees may not be aware of or maybe they have not used it before so they are not aware of it and package this under our whole financial well-being pillar as part of the eBay benefits. So I think by packaging it and positioning it in this particular manner, it was easy to help the leadership see the importance of this project. And then the leaders were able to have conversations with their teams about the importance of attending these sessions and the importance of financial well-being.
0: Fantastic. No, that makes absolute sense. And trying to connect these things together as much as possible is the best way to bring about meaningful and sustainable change. And it leads me on to how organizations can be making financial well being part of their overall well being and indeed, really, their people strategy. I know that more and more employers are starting to offer financial wellness programs in various forms, but it starts us wanting to think about, you know, what is financial well being? What is financial wellness? And how do you make it relevant and meaningful within your organization? And I think well being, and, and I've talked before about various different aspects around the employee experience, whether that is purpose or well-being or driving an inclusive culture. There's a danger sometimes with organizations looking at them as an initiative or just as a program. And it sounds like you're connecting things together and really focusing on the cultural Aspect of what this means. You know, well being can't be just a campaign or an initiative. To be done well, it ideally needs to become part of a company's DNA and something that really comes out very strongly from what you've been saying. And my experience of working with your colleagues at at eBay is something that is, you know, lived and breathed in every conversation. At eBay, how does the financial well being piece fit into your overall strategy?
1: In terms of how financial well being fits into the overall strategy, it's actually one of the four pillars, I would say, in terms of how we classify all all our benefits at eBay. At eBay, we have financial well-being as one pillar. We have physical well-being as another. Another one that has come up very strongly is emotional well-being. And last but not least is support for families. So in a way, financial well-being is not just a standalone pillar or like standalone initiatives for eBay. We talked a lot about the importance of how being financially well actually can also lead to more positive outcomes. For example, if an employee is very secure in the area of financial well-being has the knowledge that he or she needs to be able to plan his or her finances properly, that can also lead to a positive impact on the area of emotional well-being, for example, increased productivity at work, you know, which may in turn lead to a healthier workforce. So I think in general, we try our very best to ensure that these pillars interact with one another and they are not just standalone pillars that operate in silo. That's how we actually try to you know, weave the whole financial well-being piece into the bigger eBay benefits philosophy and eBay pillars of
0: benefits. Just an additional thought, because we've spoken a little bit about leaders. I've been going to a number of conferences and webinars recently about use of channels and the importance of line managers and how they are such an important channel, but also a challenge to get rights because line managers are busy doing their job whilst also managing people. What's your experience or thoughts around the role of the line managers as part of this strategy and helping to encourage that wellness with their team?
1: So definitely the role of a line manager is very, very important. I think in general, at eBay, we make sure that in all the communications, for example, if employees have to raise questions and things like that, line manager is usually first point of contact. Of course, the HR team is always there to support as a function. We're always there to provide additional support if required. But because the line manager is usually the first point of contact for our employees at eBay, they definitely play a very strong role in terms of any of the initiatives that we have or that we try to launch in eBay especially managers of larger teams, for example, it's very crucial that we get their buy-in and their support to ensure that they actually go ahead to encourage their employees to join these sessions, to take part in the initiatives that have been set out for them. Yeah, they definitely play a very, very strong role, but it's also the role of HR, you know, and for example, the benefits team to partner closely with line managers to ensure that they are equipped with the right level of information to be able to support their employees on a day-to-day basis.
0: Do you have plans to be rolling this out more globally? across ebay and and are you aware of any regional nuances or or cultural differences that perhaps you, you need to be aware of when it comes to financial well-being
1: yeah that's a great question so i think in general you know we definitely would like to look into rolling this out on a larger scale of course, it will take time because involving all the other markets would mean you know, lots of preparation while ensuring that we have actually set a right level of the education and the weather that's required. Because exactly to your point, you know, when we take into consideration cultural nuances, there will be differing levels of financial literacy across the countries that we support. So in each of these countries, we will then need to adjust the content accordingly, the style of delivery, for example. And even the topics that we concentrate on in each of the markets, these might need to be slightly different. In terms of rolling out globally, we definitely are considering that option. But at the same time, we will need to make sure that we partner very closely with our regional and local counterparts to ensure that the content that is shared in each of these markets is tailored to that particular country's needs, statutory requirements, for example... And very importantly, also a local language. So I think, you know, with many multinationals, a lot of the times, some of the regional and global initiatives that we have are primarily in English, but we also need to be very cognizant of the fact that in some countries, English is not their primary language. So we really want to make sure that we are able to deliver these initiatives in a language that is comfortable for employees in the local countries.
0: Yeah, it's so important to make things relevant, doesn't it? And I think with any kind of communication or employee communication, ensuring that things are relevant to your audience group and an understanding not just of locations and cultural nuances, but demographics and age and life stage and those aspects, particularly, I suppose, when it comes to communicating things like this are really key to be aware of. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Do you have any other thoughts in terms of what the future looks like and your next steps other than looking at rolling things out? I know that you're at a relatively early stage in the journey as I know that lots of organizations are, but uh, what are your sort of next steps going into next year?
1: So I think one of the key next steps is really to regroup with our global colleagues to see how priorities for financial well-being are going to play out in 2022 and beyond, and then see you know how best we can roll out initiatives and partner closely with them to make sure that it's a global initiative, not just regional. Education and awareness will always remain a top priority because you know as you have mentioned rightly, we are just starting out. You know now is the time that everyone is really starting to take notice of financial well-being. So education and awareness will always be one of the fundamental building blocks that we will continue to work on. I guess the next step if we want to advance this to the next level in that sense would also be looking at coming up with useful tools for employees to use. So for example, retirement planning calculators, budgeting tools and things like that. So practical things that they can use on a day-to-day basis to help them in their financial well-being journey.
0: Fantastic. That's wonderful. Well, it sounds like you're off to a very good start and have got a, a strong journey and a strong platform to work on. I've been trying to think about what people can take from this in terms of tips. What's really come out for me is first and foremost, you know, that this needs to be a business priority and be clear about what you want to achieve. It sounded like you had some very clear objectives. And I think it's absolutely key to ensure that you understand the the why and why you're trying to do this, whether that is kicking things off with a listening exercise to see how people are feeling about money and financial well-being, whether that's a certain survey or focus groups or even an ideas box depending on where your employees are and how they can access information you can obviously use that insight to understand what kind of support your employees need and it sounds very much that that was your focus using existing data to provide a tailored solution and identify those priorities I think showing everyone that it is a top priority helps to normalize it and ensure that no one feels alone and I suppose as well when it comes to being clear about what you want to achieve having some success measures at the start and then also trying to stick to those and you mentioned some of the qualitative and quantitative measures and metrics that you put in place to ensure that you could see what success looks like, I suppose. The second piece for me was around having a, an inspiring and creative engagement approach for financial wellness, encouraging people to take part, informing them about the benefits and the various different components. Communicating financial well-being doesn't have to be complicated to be effective, but it does have to be ideally inspiring, particularly when it comes to well-being. We make decisions on an emotional basis every day, rather than thinking about the functions and features of the various different programmes are available so if I was in an organization I think about how can you creatively do things in a different way so it stands out in a world where we are at the moment where employees are being bombarded with competing communications from across the business which I can imagine only gets more complex as you're dealing with global matrix organizations and your people are receiving information from lots of different areas in order to stand out it needs to be creative and inspiring and impactful and I think as you say you know it can also be fun and interactive whether that's games or modelers or tools or quizzes different ways in which to interact interact with people and help them to better understand what it is that you're trying to get across. The other bit that we mentioned a little bit was how important it is to ensure that your approach to this aligns with your culture or the culture that you're trying to create and your purpose and values because it's such a key aspect and a fundamental aspect that drives all of those other aspects in terms of performance and general well-being and fulfillment to ensure that there's a consistent message across all of those things. You also said very eloquently around the importance of of leading from the top and making sure that your leadership team understands what it means I suppose and also so their role in driving a culture of well-being and financial well-being. I think as we saw most recently during the lockdowns, during the pandemic, it's a very powerful statement for employees to hear company leaders sharing their own experiences and challenges and, and showing vulnerability, of course, without being condescending. And I can imagine that's probably a bit of a challenge when it comes to financial well-being because of the nature of it. But they can, I'm sure, position things in a way that show that financial questions and stress aren't things to be ashamed of necessarily and won't negatively impact people's career. There's an important role for them to play. The final piece that really came out for me was about how to make things relevant. And Kevin Hope does a lot of work around working with organizations to help their people better understand their reward and their benefits and their career opportunities in a way that is relevant and meaningful for individuals. And I suppose when it comes to financial well-being, focusing on on life events rather than the money makes things easier to relate to and easier for you to compartmentalize whether someone is looking to buy a house or looking to start a family or is trying to deal with debts left over from education or looking to retire, those various different key moments in people's lives is a good way to make things much easier to relate to. Certainly when we started talking about cultural nuances and geographies, that with any kind of communication like this, one size doesn't fit all. It's a very personal thing. And I guess what's important to one person isn't necessarily the same as for someone else. And and having open and honest forums can really help with that, whether that is leaders helping to communicate or perhaps peer-to-peer networks, obviously supported by the HR team. But I guess you also need to be aware that perhaps not everyone will feel comfortable speaking openly about these kinds of matters in in that environment. It's important to be mindful of of other people's feelings. That was the key areas that came out for me. Any final thoughts on any of that?
1: I think you summarised those points really well. As a parting note, I think financial wellbeing is definitely something that's only just gaining traction. So there's definitely going to be lots of trends that we can see in the upcoming months. Definitely, we'll be keeping a lookout for what else we can do to really better the financial well-being of our employees and how to support them.
0: Fantastic. So that brings us to the end of episode three of the and Hope Employee Comms podcast. A huge, huge thanks to my special guest, Eileen Ung.
1: Thanks so much, Chris, for having me on this podcast, and it was a pleasure.
0: Likewise, it's been an absolute pleasure. Also, huge thanks to everyone who's been listening in. I really do hope you've enjoyed the show. Please give us your feedback, share any communications issues or challenges you'd like us to explore in the future, and please do subscribe. Our next episode features Alicia McCollum, who's the Global Diversity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Manager at Aviva, a big FTSE 100 tech company. And we'll be talking hybrid working, including digital behaviours to watch out for and re-energising Generation Z. Until then, stay well and goodbye. <music>